Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we got Ian Ross back. And Ian flew in from Chicago. And today, we're going to be talking about overcoming the top objections in real estate. I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. And we know the fastest way to become a millionaire is to get good at sales. So our sales community was launched a couple of months ago. And the community members in there are already closing more sales. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to salesdisruptors.com to surround yourself with sales assassins from across the country. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button. That way we can all grow together. Now, we got the five objections, but before we get into that, it's now been officially two months since we've launched the sales community. So, um, you know, you're the one that's driving it. Talk to me, like, what are you seeing so far inside our community? Uh, it's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely awesome to see the people who show up constantly. I mean, we're up to three calls a week now mm -hmm. uh, inside the community. We've also got like a long list of all the, basically all the things you've ever <laughs> charged money for in yeah. terms of like courses and anything that's an information product in that sense that you we used to charge thousands and thousands of dollars yep. for is now available like at your fingertips like that. So people are joining just to go through that. And then we also have three calls a week. So we do like a curriculum thing, breaking down a concept, something involving sales conversations. So it could be focusing on your tonality, how to deal with a certain type of objection, uh, how to cold call the first 30 seconds on a phone. Like we deal with something very particular in terms of the curriculum. Then we go over, we do a call review on Wednesday. So we go over the calls of someone in the community. So people being like, I'm not quite sure how this went. I'd love to have this reviewed. They send an email and we review it together and work on that together. And then we have probably my favorite on Friday. We do Friday sales role-playing, mm -hmm. which just so many people are getting so much out of, which is bringing your scenarios, whatever they are, where revenue is on the line and getting a chance to practice them with me, with the community and really hone your skills. And so like you get to be the prospect or homeowner you know so well, I'll be you. And then we switch and we like we iterate and improve until you feel like your skills have actually leveled up. Yeah. So, so that's a yeah. So before we continue there, right? So um, before we get back to role playing, you're talking about um, a call review. Mm -hmm. And the thing I like most about call review is we've got we know what we know, right? And then what we know, we also are aware of things that we may or may not be getting right, right? And one of the most difficult challenges in live action is remembering all these different things, remembering all these, uh, you know, whether it's establishing the rules, it's mirroring correctly, actually hearing what they said, picking up what they said, the way they said it and so on. And it's really hard to do all those things when there's money on the line. Uh, the analogy I use quite a bit is basketball. Look, I know I'm supposed to bend my knees, right? I'm supposed to have my elbow pointed at the rim follow through, keep my elbows up, keep my eyes, you know, straight. And so I, I know these things. Sure. But when I'm off, it's pretty quick. I just ask someone, hey, what looks off? And they'll tell me, it's like, oh, okay, great. And then I can correct it in real time. Uh, we do 
I do kung fu, right? I do martial arts, and um, I am I am I am fully aware <laughs> of what I'm supposed to be doing. The brain knows it. Yeah, the brain knows it, but the body does not. And so we talk about these concepts of uh, nowhere to somewhere and then somewhere to mastery. So from nowhere to somewhere, this is when we're just learning the material. And that's what you do. You're talking about the, the fundamentals, the principles, right? You got to learn the principles. But it's not enough to be aware of the principles. You got to go apply it. Very true. In call review, it sounds like this is the opportunity for us to go apply it and then kind of like break it down, do film review, just like an NFL team, right? Hey, the, when the receiver dipped his hips over here, like, what were you looking at? Why were you not also, you know, adjusting when he was about to make a move? Yeah, let's look at the tape. Let's, let's look at the tape. Let's break down the game film and see yeah. what actually happened. Yeah, so talk to, you know, expand a little bit. Like, what is actually happening in call review? So, and I'll second a couple things you said. First off, I, there'll be times I think I've had a really good phone call. And when I go back to listen, it's, I'm not wrong. I was like, yeah, that went well. The general outcome was right. But when you're actually breaking it down because you're no longer in it, you're no longer thinking about the next thing to say, hearing what they're saying next, money's on the line, which in like terms of the basketball thing is having Shaq's hand in your face, yeah. right? When there's real money on the line. And so I'll go back and listen to sales calls and be like, I had no idea I stuttered while talking about that part in my head. I had no idea that when they said yes and I heard it, I heard yes. But now that I'm... There's a little bit of distance. We're reviewing the game tape. It's like that yes was not really a yes. That was a counterfeit yes, mm -hmm. and I was just too in it. And so when we do these call reviews, people bringing in the real conversations that they are having in the community. So someone's calling a landlord, someone else is calling a homeowner, just whatever this, the situation is, and they've recorded these calls, um, and we're going over them. We're breaking it down from the get-go, and we... I stop and we pause and I ask questions and then occasionally we'll like break off into little role plays about a thing. We often try and we try and get maybe two people's calls in on a call review, but the reality is you can get so in depth when you discover a concept or a th a, something that someone was like, I didn't even realize I was missing this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the perfect moment for it to be a, like a, a lesson in there to focus in on that thing. You weren't even aware you were doing yeah. and to ask more questions and role play that. So the call review is, it's it's an exciting thing that we that we added to officially have three calls per week right now. Yeah, and then the 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 role playing the thing that I've heard I've enjoyed hearing these stories, whether it was Brian Smith, Zach Gerard, or someone else, you know, and they go in there and they're like, "Hey, we did a role play. Ian told us make sure you say this this way," and then they go run the appointment, right? Because you guys role play real scenarios. Yes, like here's a scenario I'm dealing with. And they go to the appointment and they said this, this way. And by the way, I got a contract, right? So like, uh, I think one of them was Brian. He was like role-playing on the way yeah. to the appointment. You want to talk about that one? Yeah. So, I mean, we're about to go over objections. And the reality is most sales training would be as in-depth as we could get on this podcast, which mm -hmm. is just talking about a generic scenario and how to overcome a sort of general idea. But what we do in the community is like, What's this actual situation? What are you actually going through with this one person? What do you know about them? How do you feel like they would respond? And then we get to focus on that exact scenario, mm -hmm. which is 
it's, yeah, it's how people are actually locking up contracts because it's not just like, oh, I think I can conceptualize that for this deal. It's like, no, I should say that for this person. Yeah. So that's the well, because they're bringing it to you with the seller's information. Like they've done the intake call. Yep. They know they have an idea of how this appointment is going to go. Yeah. And they're role playing based off the information they're feeding it to you. Exactly. And that's how they're they're more prepared. Yeah. The exactly. And what what in Brian's instance, I I don't want to get to too much of his specifics in his words, but he was driving to renegotiate for a seller finance deal, mm -hmm. and the person he was talking to wanted interest sort of all i'll go into for him because if you well, let him explain it at another time but that's the thing he was going through and he wanted to figure out how to present this conversation around interest and we prepared i was like all right come up with two scenarios he was driving there right i didn't we didn't even know on the call he was driving we just knew he was in the car i said come up with two possible things that would make sense and then i want you to pitch them to me so he did that and i heard his things and i Gave him a little bit of feedback and I said, okay, now I'm going to do my version of it to you. We did that. And he's like, great, great. All right, do that one more time to me. And he did it back and after I did it to him. And he's like, great. And he flipped his camera around. This is on a live role playing call in the community. He's like, I'm here. I pulled up. I'm going to go in now. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> and he updates the community and goes, he took option number two. Like, we just literally on the drive up to this home, we role played the scenario. I think there were maybe nine or 10 of us on that call. I worked with him directly on this, and then he just got out of the call, went in, did what we just did, and fixed the problem. Yeah, and um, and you know, so we got the three calls a week, uh, and on top of the three calls a week, we obviously have an active community. We have all the courses. Something we added uh, this week uh, was the role play channel and the uh, accountability channel. Yeah, so the role playing calls. I mean. And oftentimes we break out into role playing in the call review because we want to work with the person I'm talking to. But still, the people get so much value actually role playing the scenario out. You get mm -hmm. the, I think I've heard it like cotton in the cheeks. People struggle to actually say the words. They think, oh, I know how to speak to my friend. I'll know how to speak when I'm in the home or on the phone. And a lot of money is on the line. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it's a Shaq's hand in your face mm -hmm. as opposed to just at the free throw. And so we wanted to make sure that people had a chance in the community, practice with each other and go through this and improve together outside of even just the three times I'm running calls that yeah. they can do it together and improve on their own. Um, yeah. And also I'm hopping in on there as they pop up just to give them a little bonus time uh, right. to get the, the benefit there. And then the accountability channel, we created that yesterday. Uh, so I am back in operations, right? So our team's got just a little bit smaller, at least for the time being. So I'm in there and I'm, in Salesforce and I'm, you know, doing follow-ups, this and that. And so I'm just turning on the camera in Discord and I'm just calling leads. I have to ask you, how much, for, for, has there ever been a time when someone offered you money to kind of just like sit next to you or can I shadow you for a day? Like all the time, all like, the hey, time. can I just stop by and just watch? He's like, right. no, that's creepy. Well, good news. <laughs> <laughs> we now have a whole setup where you can creepily watch Steve. In the community. Yeah, yeah. So like on Tuesdays, you know, uh, for me, with all the different operations we got going on, Tuesday is dedicated solely to wholesaling, right? So I'm in the bullpen with the team and I'm going through Salesforce and I'm talking to sellers and some calls are good, some calls are not. And on top of me, you know, me making the calls, we're also recording these as well so that, you know, not only can you see me live real time, but also, you know, the best calls. Like we did one yesterday where 
you know, we had a lady who was not on board. Two out of three people were on board. The third person who wasn't there was not on board. And so we had a 15-minute conversation on the phone. It's all recorded so they can hear, like, how I got her on board with the situation. So now we have all three people that are necessary to get this deal done. So that's all available inside the community. And we're creating libraries around that, too, because, like, as you can imagine, running three calls a week, role-playing a lot of different scenarios, we're coming up with a lot of different challenges. And so we're starting to document them and name them because when you go, hey, I'm dealing with this one problem, I'm having this situation in probate, has anyone ever dealt with this? Yeah, we actually got footage of Steve Trang going through this exact same thing. Yeah, And so much of what I've learned in community, which is crazy, is people being like, oh, let me just use those words. Let me just say what you said. And they're going to get to see you actually go through real live calls, not totally fake, just mm-hmm. you know, like actually real things. You're actually calling this and people can just watch this in the community now, which yeah. is a huge thing. And I think the other thing too is, um, and we're, we're right about to get to the objection. So I, I think one of the biggest things that we see when people are, are looking for objection handlers, this and that, is uh, my old coach used to call this the book of magic answers. Right? It's like, hey, just give me exactly what to say uh, for this situation. And could we make that book? Yeah, it would be super thick. And it, it would be so many different one-off It would be so thick situations. no one would ever use it. It would be yeah. so thick people go, I'm not going to open that book. It's too big. Right. Yeah. And so what I think is really more critical, more important, is really the framework. Yeah. Right? Like, how do I overcome these objections? How do I overcome these uh, obstacles that show up. So again, we're going to go over a, a few of these in a moment, but that's what we're offering inside the community. It's the, on top of my entire library of all the different products I've created that we sold for thousands and thousands of dollars over the years, you get three calls a week with Ian. So uh, we had, you know, we've been asking you guys to text your biggest objections for the last few weeks. And I'm looking in here, we got just shy of 50 uh, objections uh, submitted here. And you know what's fascinating? And I'm looking at these 50. They basically boil down to like five or six objections. Yeah, it's what most people realize. They think there's thousands of objections. New salespeople think they could say so many different things to me. There's really not that many. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you kind of shared there was a Jordan Belfort uh, story. Yeah, I think it was him creating the straight line system. His yeah. famous thing that got got him to be the wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. was that he was talking to his uh, early Stratton Oakmont uh, <laughs> sales guys, and they couldn't close a barn door. Uh, and he was just like, well, what's the problem? And they said to him, oh, there's there's thousands of objections. There's, they're giving us thousands of objections. We'll never, we never know what to say. And he just went, okay, let's write down every... Let's do this now, because he was closing, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's write down every objection. And they wrote it down, and there were like six. Yeah. And they thought there were thousands. And it's like, okay, can you deal with six different objections? And then one of the crazy things is the difference in some of the six is also not that big. When you yeah. actually understand how to ask questions and how to listen to those responses, the variations of those six is still pretty minor. Right. Yeah. So let's start off. So first objection, um, price. Now, this is an interesting objection right your offer is too low or i won't go any lower right so talk to me about the price objection yeah that's uh and that's what we got most frequently and in when we say five there are various aspects of it like oh that's too low or i would never accept that all different variations of price mm-hmm. so 
the first thing you want to do when you're hearing an objection, and especially as you're running a sales process, is you want to have, before you even get to that situation, it makes sense to have already been prepared for what you think their objections are likely to be. Mm -hmm. But I would also say, if you do the process right, price is realistically the only thing they should really get any objection on, theoretically, because the way you present everything else is often, uh, you can deal with the objection before they even encounter it. So when it comes to the offer is too low, something I always like to think about of an objection is that that's the prospect, the homeowner in this case, is raising a shield. They're holding a shield up saying, I want to stop the sales process. I'm putting a shield in front of you, and, and now we have to stop. And most sales training says, oh, they raise a shield, hit the shield. Mm. But if you hit a shield and you don't knock it out of their hand, what happens when you hit someone's shield? They dig in harder. And so that's why I always talk about validating someone's concerns and not agreeing with their concerns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really powerful because if you go, yeah, I definitely can't. Like, that's shooting yourself in the foot if you're yeah. agreeing with them. Yeah, like, our valid. offer is too low. <laughs> yeah, our offer is too low. Okay, where do we go from here? <laughs> I guess I should, you know, it's over, right? Yeah. Versus, I totally understand why you would think that. I've heard that before. Tell me, what were you thinking or what were you hoping to hear? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it, and this is the, the key with most objections is that you should probably ask a question. Most sales training might be like, oh, they give you an objection. I say three lines and now I, I can close. I can close anyone. I can. Yeah. They're, I can they're just melting in my hands. Yeah, they're melting in my. Yeah, it's like a pickup <laughs> artist, but for yeah. high ticket. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah. not real. It's fantasy. So, I think there's a few different things, right? So if you follow our process, price, not to say it's not an objection, but their reaction to your price really shouldn't be so bad because before you make your offer, they should have told you what they're willing to accept, right? We talk about it. We call it extracting price. They should be saying the number first. I think that's step one. Step two is we typically want to get someone emotional before we talk about price. Uh, price is uh, is an issue in the absence of value, right? Like if I see no value here, then the only thing that matters here is price. Uh, but what we know, because we've been doing this business for some time now, price, although is important, is the last important thing. So, you know, the example I've used is, you know, who here listening to this podcast right now lives in the cheapest house in the city? Highly unlikely, right? And so typically when you bought your house, you need a certain number of bedrooms, a certain number of bathrooms, maybe a garage, size yard, pool, whatever, uh, proximity to a school, proximity to family. There are all sorts of considerations. And then after all those considerations are settled, the cheapest house that checks all those boxes. Yes. Right. And so like typically if you're dealing with a homeowner who's focused solely on price, the question is, do they need more certainty? Uh, do they need uh uh, peace of mind? Do they need speed, convenience, hassle-free, whatever? Have we talked about these things and talked about how important it is to solve this problem and the consequence of not solving this problem? Yeah, that that line that price is an important thing, but it's the last important thing. Mm -hmm. I remember when I heard you say that that is brings very true and is very profound. Yeah. How often do we, do we run sales trainings where, especially people who are maybe newer in acquisitions or like what's the biggest thing you're encountering the price homeowners don't like the price they don't like the price that's the thing over and over mm -hmm. again and the first thing before we even get into the 
nuances of handling the objection is the mindset of it's the last important thing. Yeah. So if that's the only thing you're hearing, you've done everything. Everything else has to be, you must be doing other things wrong. There's no other <laughs> way you're running everything right. That's the only thing you're hearing yeah. in terms of running an ideal sales process. Right. That stood out to me about like buying a car. I, I bought a car cash not long ago and uh, I spent a decent amount. It was an insane amount of money, but it was a lot, felt like a lot of money to me <laughs> right in that check. And it, I was only arguing with them about price, but it was not that big of a deal. Like it really like that was the only thing I ever gave them as an objection. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I had there were like 20 other variables that the car checked and now I was right. only talking about price. Well, you needed an SUV. I did need an SUV. Right. So you need an SUV because you just had a you're you're about to have a baby. Yes, I, right. I had a very pregnant wife at the time. Right. Yeah. You're about to have a baby, so there were certain requirements of the car. Right. Right, so you couldn't just go out and buy a Honda Civic. No, in fact, we even looked at a different SUV that had too small of a back for the car seat we'd already bought. <laughs> so it wasn't even just SUV; it had to be a, this S. We'd already looked at a different <laughs> SUV, and the back didn't fit for like the backward-facing car mm -hmm. seat. Like this car actually, it was even more criteria before we doing that that they never. Those salespeople shockingly never asked me about those other things. Mm -hmm. So many people miss the mark of assuming the wrong information and therefore they go, oh, they're just so concerned about price. It's like, you, didn't, you don't even know any of the other things. Right. And if you can provide enough certainty in the other things, price really is the last important thing. Yeah, so something that you, know, you guys might've uh, heard me say on, on a video on Instagram or whatever, right? It's like, I might summarize it like, okay, so right now it seems to me we're about $30,000 you know, apart from what a cash buyer is willing to pay and what you're willing to accept. And you know, earlier in our conversation, you were saying it was really, really important for you to be there when your grandson is born in Florida. So, I mean, kind of sounds like right now, the $30,000 difference is more important than the actually being there when your grandson's born. Very powerful. And they're like, uh, well, what's more important? Is it, is it the price of being there when your grandson's being born, yeah. right? Now, obviously, tonality and everything else is going to be super important. But if you didn't ask all those questions about what's important to them in this sale, then, yeah, price is the only thing that matters. Right. Right? But if you find out, oh, well, I need to be there for my grandson. This is the first one. This is my oldest son. This is the first grandson in our, you know, patriarch year or whatever. Sure. It's a different conversation. Yes. Um. Another example of that might be that, that plenty of people listening to this podcast, I'm sure, are encountering when they're making offers on properties, if that's their approach. They're talking to landlords, people who don't own, who, who don't live in that property they're calling about. They mm -hmm. own it, they have tenants, or it's, it's vacant, whatever, but it's not their actual home. And so they think, oh, this person has absolutely no pain whatsoever, so how could I ever, they ever accept the law offer? That might be true. But if you don't haven't asked them enough questions, learn enough mm -hmm. about them, you might not have asked, like, is there anything else? If we were to get you a price that would make sense for you, did you have any other, um, you know, anything else you were eyeing in the area? Because oftentimes when I've talked to, you know, investors like yourself, they often have their ears to the ground, listening and looking for other deals. Is there maybe a multifamily deal or something that has a better return than this one single family mm -hmm. home that you had your eye on? And they might go, well, yeah, if I sold this, I would also, I mean, obviously I want to avoid the capital capital gains tax, so I would roll it into this. Gotcha. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. And then they would tell me about that, and I would ask more questions, and then I would build up the how much gain they could have from the next deal. Right. And then when it comes time to price, 
So I've already built this in before we even get to price. That's one of the keys. It's like the just, oh, here's this line about price. Yeah, but I built this other thing in. Mm-hmm. When it's finally time, I don't like the price. Okay, so it sounds like we're $30,000 off from what, what you feel is acceptable. But if we got this done, this next deal could be making you 17000 a month. What am I missing in terms of getting this done? How, how much do you want to prioritize getting into that next deal? So you can actually get to that 17000 a mm-hmm. month. Does this thirty thousand? Would it prevent you from getting seventeen thousand a month? Because it sounds like in two months that would cover that and then some. And so that approach is like, oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. And the only objection they gave me was price. But because I extracted other things before we even got to price, I had all this ammunition available. I had all these throwing knives and <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, everything I needed to you know <laughs> use the. If we were imagining myself as a sales assistant to get the kill, to close the deal, to yeah. to succeed in that conversation, I had the tools in front of me because I built it in ahead of time so that when they raise the shield of price of an issue, I understand why you say that. I am curious, though, because of this other thing, it sounds like that 30000 is is what's holding you back from making 17000 a month. And that approach totally changes it melts the idea of price being the issue. Right. Well, we're reminding them that they said to us, there's something that was really important. Right. Right. Yeah. It's unbelievable how much people just forget what they just said to you. Yeah. And if you remind them saying, you've said this, I'm not telling you this. I'm not saying, you know, you could go invest this somewhere else. Right. I asked you and then reminded you, it's your own words against you. That will defeat them far more often yeah. than the idea of like, let me convince you of this thing. So we got, we just gave you a thesis on price, right? <laughs> yeah. But I often do that when talking yeah. about sales. But let's just take a step back now, right? So how do we overcome this objection, right? So assuming, right, we did everything right here. Now we go into like, well, you know, like your offer is too low, right? The, the defensive thing is like, what do you mean my offer is too low? Or it's like, oh, I can come up. Right, like it's right. kind of a, a defensive reaction. So you know what we encourage is to mirror it. So you know, it's like Ian, your offer is just too low. My offer is too low. Yeah, you know, it's really hoping to get more money than that. Okay. How much more were you were you hoping to be getting? Uh, you know, these other, uh, I, I'm getting these things in the mail. You know, they're like they're twenty thousand dollars higher. Okay. And if we could pay that $20,000, what would happen next? I guess I'd go with you. Okay. It feels like I'm still missing something. Is it, is it really just the 20000 or is there something else that I'm, that I'm missing? No, no, right now it's just, it's just 20000 Okay. So in terms of that gap, tell me a little bit more about these mailers. Why haven't you gone with them before if that was, you've already been getting that price in the mail? Uh, well, I mean, like, I went to the website and... It was just, I put in, you know, my address and this and that, and that was the number they gave me. Okay. So they didn't, they gave you that number, but they didn't actually really try and buy your house for that number, it sounds like. Yeah. But you heard, like, you know, what, what, what Ian did is, like, he married. Price is too low. What were you hoping to hear? He didn't just jump up and give more money. Right. Right? He didn't, like, create this distance. So I think, you know, when we're overcoming price, the first thing we got to do is acknowledge, <laughs> mirror, that, hey, y'all, you know, like, I heard you say it's too low. And then what were you hoping to hear? Balls in their court. 
right? So I think that's the first thing. Uh, the other thing too, we didn't really talk about this. Um, we never make a formal offer initially. You know, first thing we do is we ask how much they're hoping to walk away with. And after that, it's like, oh, you know, these cash buyers nearby, here's what they're offering, right? We're always suggesting what cash buyers nearby are paying. Uh, we're never just making an offer. So yeah, because if you, because when they have that negative reaction, it's not to you. Yeah, it's to. It's, I, I thought that was an outrageous. Number yeah, these vultures. Yeah, it's these, crazy. These people are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's the first one. Price. All right. Second one. Right. Objection number two. I'll think about it. Get back to you. Let me think about it. I need to think about it. Other variations of think about it. Yeah. This is super universal, um, and sometimes you, every now and again, this is, it's one of the, f- the few objections where you can still do everything right, and they still might have just lied to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they actually do need to think it over. It's rare, but one of the main things, you never want that to be your default reaction to go, oh yeah, they just definitely need to think it over. Because yeah. when you think that, <laughs> you're shooting yourself in the foot. 100%. Like, almost every time. So. It's weird that way in that sometimes it is true, but you it's that reality you need to forget. Um, well, like no one's ever gone back. Not no one, but less than 1% of the population has ever gone back and ran spreadsheets. It's pretty low. Right? They sat down at the kitchen table, mathed it out. Like that doesn't happen. That No one does this, right? Like I leave here, right? Ian's at my house, he leaves. What do I do? I pull up my phone. Oh, I got some Facebook notifications. I got some text messages. I'm texting my friends back. I'm checking Facebook. I'm going to check my emails. Oh, work called. Got to call work back. And by the time Ian does his follow-up again, how much time have I actually sat down and thought about this? I, I, literally, like, the as you were closing the door and leaving. That yeah, was it. That's it. That, is, that amount of time. <laughs> that's how much people actually think about it. So anyway, yeah, continue. It's very rare. So uh, you want to encounter this is the big thing. Not unlike price, is that we deal with this up front. Mm-hmm. This objection is rarer for our process than for a lot of other wholesaling processes or just general sales processes where they're trying to set them up to potentially be like, hey, maybe you're going to need time to think this over. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're not even talking about it to begin with. We establish the rules up front that we are not, that, that, we're not pushing for this has to be a yes. We're not aggressive in our conversations. We are assertive that it's either going to be a yes or a no. And one of the ways you can do that is by, and I've talked to the community quite a bit about this, because community at, at a very affordable price point, we get a variety of people in there. We get people in there who are like just about to do their first deal, getting you know just starting the process and getting all the knowledge there. We've got someone else in there who's got a team of seven people, right? Mm-hmm. Like it totally varies. And so when I'm encountering people who are like just getting going, a lot of times their experiences are coming from some type of uh, a background where the process, they, they, they're not familiar with this idea that you can say it's either yes or no and that's totally fine mm-hmm. up front. That think about it is a no. So there is no think about it, it's simply gonna be a no. Right. And, and when, you, when you've set that up front, Usually you just have to, much like we talked about before, remind them of that. And they might often go, yeah, okay, that, that, that makes sense. And so then I often, we can t- talk that through. I would usually imply 
rather like you'll see a lot of sales training that goes, what do you need to think about it? Is it me? Is it the value of the price? Like so aggressive about mm-hmm. it versus like, uh, okay. I, I, it's interesting that you've, you're saying that. I'm a little confused. When we talked a little bit earlier, you said you'd be comfortable giving me a yes or a no today, but it seems like I must have done something wrong to lose your trust to mm-hmm. make it so that you don't feel comfortable saying no to me. It's like, no, 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 it's not that. Made this really negative thing. It's not, no, no, I like you. You're really, I, I, I trust you. It feels good to, to work with you. I, I just, this other thing I have to do, I just have to talk to someone. Uncovering the black swans. We uncover the black swans as yeah. I talk about it. Uh, so, you know, just real quick, we'll kind of breeze through it real quick um, is, you know, we talk about establishing the rules. Here's what it typically sounds like. Hey, Ian, thank you for inviting me into your home. Uh, before we get started, can I just share with you how these conversations typically go? Sure. Uh, so these appointments, they sometimes go an hour, hour and a half. That's still a good amount of time for you. Yeah, I have that blocked out. All right, appreciate it. Uh, uh, typically, homeowners we've worked with in the past want to know how this process works, how much money they're going to walk away with, and when exactly they're going to get their money. Um, am I missing anything? No, that's all I can think of. Yeah, that's what's right. on my mind. All right, awesome. Uh, and obviously, for me to figure out if this is a house that we're going to purchase, I'm going to have to ask you some questions. And some of these questions may come across as personal. Will that be okay? Sure, yeah, of course. All right, thank you. Uh, and at the end, naturally, one of two things will happen. Either we buy your home or we don't. Either way is okay. You know, if the price we offer you doesn't work, if you're just anytime just feeling this is not a good fit, would you just feel comfortable telling me no? Definitely. I got no problem telling telling people no when I'm not interested. All right, I appreciate that. Likewise, if we figure out at the end this is a house that we're not going to buy, are you going to be okay with that? Yes, yeah. If you're not going to buy it, I'd appreciate you being a straight shooter with me. Okay, great. Uh, and if it does make sense for us to work together, what that means is we're going to take everything you and I talked about today, and we're just going to put it all in writing. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. Uh, can I just share with you my biggest fear? Okay, yeah. You seem really friendly, and some of the homeowners in the past, they were really afraid to hurt my feelings. Instead of telling me uh, no, they told me that they needed to think about it. Can you promise me you won't do that? I promise you, you cannot hurt my feelings. Sure, uh, no problem. All right. Uh, and if I hear anything besides a yes or no at the end, I'm just going to take that as a no. Is that fair? That's totally fair. Right. So that's how we establish rules in the very beginning, right? First five to 15 minutes of the appointment. The other thing that triggers, I need to think about it, which I was shoot myself in the foot forever was, well, Ian, what do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's how I tried to sell my first solar panel was, what do you guys think? Do you want this? Yeah, it's a lot to think about. I guess I'll yeah. think it over. Yeah. yeah. So the worst question, the worst closing question in the history of closing is, what do you think? So don't ask any questions that involve the word think. So we got a few more objections here. But before we do that, we got Lance. Uh, and uh, he's actually in town. Uh, and he's going to uh, jump on real quick and just kind of share with us his experience in working with sales disruptors. So uh, let's go ahead and get, uh, let's get Lance on the screen. All right, Lance, hey, you know, thank you for uh, joining us on today's very special show. Tell us, what's your experience been like so far with sales disruptors? It's been really good. Um, you know, I've, uh, I was looking for a solution to be a better communicator. And when I found you, I felt like, uh, and Ian, like, I, uh, it aligned with my personality you know, like Grant Cardone and Tom Ferry's like, sell, 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 no matter what. But I'm, it doesn't, I feel like I'm not serving my clients well that way. So, um, 
being here at Disruptors and training with Ian and yourself has really helped me like set the boundaries, frame the conversation, and really be a better communicator um, overall. So the training experience you had beforehand was really more along the lines of you had to, it felt like you had to hard close. That or not closing at all, not asking for, for the business. So there's that and uh, just mellowing out my, my need to uh, wait to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a wait to talk. <laughs> that is I don't just, listen very <laughs> That's definitely one of the hardest parts is uh, trying to, like you want to get, you, you want to get uh, you know, your words in, but they're still talking. I know that's one of the hardest things to resist. So uh, there have been a couple of scenarios that you've worked through with Ian. Can you share with us some of those scenarios? Uh, I have a gentleman, I've, we've had this listing up for two years and, you know, we've got, it was at 975. We got offers at 850, 875, 920. And he said no. And finally with the market shift, he decided to go with a 925 offer. And then, you know, the pest inspections and all the inspections and the, the buyer was asking for the world. And he, you know, he was just, He's a, the, the, the type where if you put a dime in his hand, he's going to squeeze out a dollar. You know, he's just going to like, boom, there's four quarters right there. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, just learning to listen and, and let him run out of gas and then um, change the frame. Like, well, have you thought about this? If But, you know, what if this happened? And then he was like, well, they're being, uh, they're not negotiating in good faith. I'm like, sir. If I was the buyer's agent, I would be representing you the same way. I would be trying to get my buyers the best deal I could. And it mellowed him out. And he was really happy then. He referred me to uh, a client coming out of from another country. And they're actually here right now. But unfortunately, my my associate is having to, to handle yeah. the, the showing and stuff. And, and it's a $2 million deal. So can't be, can't be mad about that. So... The, the process has helped you get just a few more commission dollars. Oh the yeah. And it's taken the stress out of my life too, because like, like I said, like I'm waiting to talk and, and just listening and, and uh, listening to their concerns and not like already having the solution because sometimes this, my solution isn't their solution. Yeah. But, for instance, I had a lady call me and she was like, oh, my, there's squatters in my home. It's my daughter, this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, we'll just evict her. And she's like, no, <laughs> well, we got to have enough questions, right? And she's like, I just want to sell it for cash. I'm like, I can help you there. So, um, you know, I'm getting to kick her daughter out because her daughter's a piece of trash. And, and I get, I get a flip out of the deal owner financing right how yeah. what better deal is that so you were there to solve a problem with a solution that they didn't want and then you've now adjusted and wait for their solution and then just work with their solution yeah it's a smarter way to go <laughs> um <laughs> sometimes hey. i'm curious lance what are some you mentioned a couple instances is there anything you can think of where like you had a situation where you felt not quite sure how to proceed in terms of what your actual conversation should be. And then we 
were able to sort of dissect it and then like role play it back and forth in a way that gave you actionable steps to actually go make more money with the next conversation you have with that person. Um, specifically the gentleman I was talking about for the, the home that was on the market, like um, just reaffirming what he says, like validating his points and then redirecting him and gently nudging him along. Because uh, he got pretty heated during this, the negotiations, and, and we were able to make it happen for everybody. So it was it was a good thing. And you said you you looked at previous sales trainings, but what I guess what was the disconnect between like the type of content or training you'd seen before and your style of selling that was not working for you? Like, what was that disconnect? I just feel like. Grant Cardone and, and uh, Tom Ferry, they're always like always going for the clothes, right? Right. Not necessarily putting their clients' needs first. I'm in a fortunate position where I've done quite well in real estate. Uh, I don't need the next deal to pay my bills. I live way below my means. So trying to find something where I can actually put the client's needs first versus my own is has been a huge help for me. And I think like what's key, right, is like, when we first connected, you were already successful in real estate. You were already a top performing uh, realtor uh, flipper in your market. So it wasn't like you Correct. needed our sales training for you to make ends meet. You were already successful. You were just looking for the next edge to take you to the next level. Is that is that an accurate assessment? That's 100%. And I'm also incorporating my children in this process as well. I have a 21, 21 year old son who's getting his license. My daughter's 17. And it's it's about ele elevating your communication skills because communication is a lost art, especially uh, in my children's age group because all they do is stare at the phone most times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we get a grocery store and uh, I'm like, you know, you need to work here because you're gonna have lots of conversations and you need to practice the things that we had with that we learn with Ian on our weekly coaching calls. You need to implement uh, the little bit, you know, mirroring, um, just complimenting people, You're just having good conversations, really. And you know, because it's about I'm developing my children, I'm not raising them. That's how I look at that. Yeah, that's so that's a powerful cool. way of looking at it. Definitely. Anything else you want to ask? Uh, yeah, I guess the last question I really have for you is that what if you were to think about what could have been, let me phrase it this way. If you were to think that there was someone who's maybe being held back from taking action to invest in themselves in a soft skill, like in training, in communication, in sales, and actually how to have effective conversations when real money is on the line, how would you talk to them about deciding whether or not they want to take action. I feel like I want to go Dave Goggins right now, <laughs> but, but uh, I'll refrain. Uh, I, you have to do it, man. You have to invest in yourself. The best skills you could develop are communication skills, and then everything else will fall in line from there. That's my wholehearted opinion. And, you know, my children are here with me. That's why I'm here because communication, being able to effectively 
have conversations with people, understand their needs, and then try to solve those problems. That's really the key. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Lance, for taking time out of your schedule. I know you got your family here ready to yeah. go out and feast. So appreciate you uh, jumping on. Thanks. All Lance. right, guys. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Take yeah. care. Bye. All right. So there you go, Lance. Uh, really appreciate him. Uh, and again, this guy was already successful uh, before he connected with us. But, you know, he wanted to invest in himself, get that next edge, which I totally respect because I'm the same exact way. And so uh, it's really cool that not only has he believed and, and, and really dived deep into sales, but he's got his family involved. Uh, so the next one, the next objection, which is interesting to me, is uh, I'm not interested in selling. That's a, that's a tough one, depending on the circumstance. Yeah. I mean, is that an objection? Um, well, it's certainly, it's certainly raising up a shield. It's slowing the process down. I mean, uh, it, it depends the context because it's kind of a, it's a little, it's a little vague and, mm -hmm. but usually you wouldn't be getting that, that we, we, the previous things we talked about price and I need to think it over going to get that at the end of yeah. your consultation of of talking to them on the phone or being in the home across from them at the, at the kitchen table that one would make sense i think the very first time you talk to them it would be very bizarre if you were in the home for an hour and yeah. at the end they go i'm actually not interested in yeah, yeah so it really shouldn't come up at the appointment it really shouldn't really yeah. should come up in it's prospecting a it's a qualification process yeah. yeah so i think we're probably finding this when someone's cold calling or texting, I imagine is when this is coming up. If you're calling and texting and they're telling they're not interested, I don't really look at that as an objection. I think this is just kind of like, let's move away. They from made this. your job easier. They're just, they disqualify themselves. Yeah. Don't waste your time on them anymore. If they're telling you in the prospecting stage, I am not interested in this, mm -hmm. they just did you a favor and saved you the time of, well, what's your offer? And mm -hmm. playing with your emotions and you right. start thinking about how much you could make. They just they say they just made you money because you can spend your time on other people. Right. So you know, uh, Brian Manley, he was a guest last week on Part of the Disruption. I love the way he put it. You know, we are in the sifting and sorting business first, right? Prospecting is interesting because prospecting is the only activity I'm aware of that I can think of at least that's both marketing and sales at the same time. Yeah. Right. Everything's marketing or sales. Prospecting is legit sales and marketing at the same time. And so yeah, if they're telling you they're not interested. Uh, uh, that is them doing its favor. Now, there's a slight nuance here. Uh, let's say it's 4th of July and they fill out a web form, right? Right. But you're grilling, you got people over, and you don't get back to them on the 6th of July. Okay. And I'm no longer interested in selling. It's a slightly different one. Yes, that is. That's quite different. Right. I'm no longer interested implies they might have just had interests. Right. And Maybe so, they had a blowout fight on the 4th of July. Right. Yeah. There's something to work with there. Yeah. So what would you say to someone that's no longer? It's not quite one of the objections that was submitted, but I think that might be something might be more helpful for people listening. That's true. Okay. So for someone listening, if someone says, I'm no longer interested in selling, let's say you're in a prospecting situation. You've called them on the phone. Mm -hmm. They were a, you know, a PPC lead and you're like, oh, this looks great. Let me reach back out. For whatever reason, I, hey, you know, I'm no longer interested, even though it feels like this is a hot lead. This just happened. Why right. are they no longer interested? Yeah, I mean, they fill out the form. They've told you they want a number significantly before Zillow. <laughs> they want to sell in less than 30 days. Everything here says, like, this yeah. is a hot prospect. This is where 
labeling comes into use very, very well because especially in prospecting, you will get lied to a lot. Mm. This is a tough thing for a lot of people to realize that you're just being lied to all the time. Like you might have being, things are going to be shopped. People are just going to be like, they're busy. And so rather than go, yeah, I am interested, but I'm busy and dealing with that nuance, they just say, I'm not interested because they're busy. That's mm -hmm. the nature of being busy. And so, and you go, oh, but this person doesn't want to sell. So that's, there's a possibility there. I would say if it's like, I'm no longer interested and we have information to think that this should have been a lead, mm -hmm. I would usually want to assume that that means that they've already sold. Or you, right. oh, oh, great, congratulations. You, you must have gotten a real estate agent and now you're going to list it on the MLS. And I'm doing that because it is way easier for someone to lie in the answer to a question when they're already in a lying mode than to let an incorrect statement sit and not try and correct it, not mm -hmm. make the truth be real. And so they will go, well, no, it's not that situation. Oh, okay. So then you must have already sold with talking to another investor and they've already gotten under contract. No, it's not that I've already got under contract. Gotcha. Okay. Well, since you filled this out just, it, it looks like 36 hours ago, and now you're no longer interested in selling, it feels like I must be missing something. Yeah. What changed? Mm -hmm. Something happened? And because I've already eliminated these other things, and they've already opened up a little bit more, by them being honest, correcting two statements, it's much easier than also for them to be honest about answering that question. Because right. they've just been honest twice in a row, rather than being compelled to lie to get you off the phone. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people are no longer just selling. It's like, oh, okay, well hang up or what happened? Like, well, that's not your damn business. Right. Right. So we assume, Oh, you already sold your house. No, I haven't sold that. Oh, okay. But you already dealt with the matter at hand. Well, not really. Well, then I don't understand. Right. And like, well, here's what's going on. And it's just crazy. People will fill in that blank after they've corrected you. Because they've got, they've been truthful twice by correcting you that mm -hmm. when it's time to ask the question, it's, the, it's like a, it's the human nature thing. It's like, if they've already been honest twice in correcting you, it's much easier for them answering that more broader open-ended question of mm -hmm. what's happening. It's much easier for them to be open about that because they had they were just honest twice in a row. It's like yeah. just an easy sort of pattern for human behavior. So the next objection is I need to talk to my wife. But before I do that, we got uh, someone I'm really interested, excited to talk to. We got uh, Mr. Zach Girard. If you guys have been paying attention to my social media, I'm basically like <laughs> posting about this guy every single week, but I think for good reason. He's yes. doing really, really well. So uh, let's see what Zach's got to say. All right, Zach, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, you're, you're one of the first members to join when we launched the sales community. I think like, you know, two or three days after we launched it, you were in there and you were actively participating. I'd like to hear from you. How has your experience been since you joined the, the sales community? Yeah. So thank you guys. First of all, I've had a, a lot of success because of this community. Um, I think what it finally came down to, Steve, was I was tired of the free podcasts, the courses that were kind of just uh, like a slide deck. And that's what I was getting. And I, and I finally decided, all right, I've consumed all of the free content I can possibly consume. It's, it's never ending if I don't decide to just get some skin in the game. Um, and I think it was an investor lift, uh, zoom call that you had come on. Yeah. And then, yeah, a couple of days later, uh, my partner, Kim, she reached out. She's like, Hey, you need to sign up for Steve's class. Like just do it. Yeah. So yeah, 
it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've learned a lot and I've learned so much that now I'm getting to the point where I I'm creating habits because I'm overusing techniques. Uh, <laughs> great. But Ian catches them right away. So it's been great. What are some things that you're like over <laughs> overdoing? Um, I guess just like knowing when someone's playing games and calling. So what I was doing, Steve, was I was calling out this guy's bluff a lot. And he was like, come on, man, you've had all this success falling on your sword. What happened to that? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. So, yeah, that was just a good role, role play session and uh, got that guy on the phone today. And it's going well. So awesome. a lot of success from Ian. Uh, what kind of business are you doing today since you've joined the community? Um, when you say business, what do you mean by uh, like uh, contracts? Are you locking? How many contracts are you locking up a week? Locking up a month? Yeah, uh, I think just like any other business, it's like it's 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 ups and downs, but it's based on momentum's. Um, and we have a good team around us. I think when I started and I joined uh, the community, we were. When was that, Steve? Do you know? Because I have ago. all the dates two right on my ago. board. So. Uh, May we had three, and then I would assume probably joined right around the end of May, and then uh, June we had six, and I, I'm very superstitious, so I don't like to talk about my contracts before they hit the closing <laughs> table, but there's more than a few up there waiting to close. Yeah. So do you think you've, uh, with the things that you, the skills you've learned uh, since you joined the community, you've doubled your production, quadrupled your production? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I would say probably quadrupled because yeah. it's, it's not just me in acquisitions. It's now, if I'm talking to the disposition manager and he goes, Hey, how should I word this? I'm like, Oh, 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 oh no. Stop telling this guy what's going on. Yeah. Assume the negative, let him correct you. Yeah. And, and just that, those minor adjustments that I can help, uh, others on the team out with, um, if maybe Kim's not around cause Kim's also on here. So, yeah. um, just everyday conversations, yes, have just absolutely multiplied our business. What are some of the things you feel like you maybe had an idea of but didn't have solidified down in terms of those soft communication skills before you joined community that now you feel that aspect of those skills are more honed and more dialed in to the point where you've quadrupled your production? Yeah, I read Never Split the Difference, so I thought I understood uh, Chris Foss's you know, mirroring techniques and tactics. Um, but that's the thing. It, it's like reading a book or listening to a podcast. I can do it over and over again until I'm blue in the face, but until I'm role-playing it with an actual person or talking through the scenario with another group of, of members in the community, it's that's what's really helped me. So there's been a lot of tools that like I'll consume every day on Instagram and social media it's just your your sales content that you see everywhere from all the gurus. But it takes it to a different level when you can go work on that with a group of people and especially you guys who obviously know what you're doing. So because I will tell you, you are probably the most active community member on, in the role plays, which I know sometimes you're often nervous about. You're like, I don't want to be talking. I'm like, no, the, everyone has the opportunity to talk. Take advantage of it. And the person yeah. who's taking advantage of it has quadrupled their production. And, and it's so much so you're also helping your other team members with the skills you've been using. So talk well, to me you about the role know, play. Yeah, so you, before I guess talking about the role play, I, I think the funniest part is because obviously I'm never going to tell you this, but I will now since you asked. 
Um, it is at the worst time every single week for me. Every single session is right in the middle of primetime calling hours. And I heard a quote one time that success is built on inconvenience. So I showed up for every single call, even though I thought, uh, I think I've learned a lot from Ian over the past two months. There can't be more. Every single time I've learned something that has led to the closing of a contract. So it's, I get so mad when I see the clock change. I'm like, oh, I got to do role play right in the middle of a really good session. Uh, and I hop on and it's worth it every single time. So your question, how's the role play? <laughs> yeah. It's been fantastic. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> to, to say the least, to say the least. Um, I'm a very black and white guy. I want to know exactly how to do something. And if I'm doing it wrong, just tell me. Uh, Ian, you, if you watch the call replays, because they're all easily accessible to all of us, you see my head going down the whole time we're role playing because I'm writing down every word he says. And then I'm just reading it like a script on my phone calls. It's it's not rocket science. It's very okay. easy. And the more and more I'm reading down those scripts, the more and more I'm just training my muscle memory. I can say like, so, yeah. uh, for me, uh, I read all the books, right? I went through all the trainings. And f when I was getting trained by someone else, uh, the difference from reading the books, watching the podcast, this and that, to actually having a trainer I can interact with the biggest game changer for me was working on the tonality, getting the tone right, getting the pacing right, getting the pitch right, as well as intentionally actively listening. Have you found that to be the case for you as well? <laughs> I'm laughing because if you couldn't tell, uh, one of my biggest weaknesses is over communicating and talking when I shouldn't be talking. Um, and Ian has helped me understand how to be quiet and also um, how just because you know everything doesn't mean you have to tell everyone in the room you know everything. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you have to you have to help the prospect realize the right answer, but it has to be their idea. And that has um, been the biggest game changer with Ian uh, talking to me about communication and active listening. How unnatural was that for you? If you, if you couldn't tell, it's been rough. It, it was very, very rough because that's the thing. I love diving deep into data. So a lot of times I do have the answers, but that doesn't mean other people want the answer coming from me because I'm just another sales guy at that point. And when, when that moment clicked and I made the shift to like, okay, I can still know the answer, but help them come up with that solution. Not, not like it was my idea. That's changed the game entirely. That's awesome. Um, you know, we're not supposed to count our commissions, right? We always, we, we all know this. Um, but if you were to project the way things are going right now, you know, you were saying like in May, you guys put three in contract, um, you know, like what do you think you made in May approximately? And I think in the follow up question to that, you know, let's say six months from now, how much do you think you'll be making a month with the new skills you have today? So starting where you were in May. Uh, and then where do you think you, you, you project to be within six months? Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking, are you, so I guess it's interesting because I have a really, really good team around me working with me. It's not just me. So we don't just wholesale. We have a couple of exit strategies, but the, obviously the skills in the course have taught us, you know, how to perfect all of them. Uh, we're doing a lot of flips ourselves in the market. Um, awesome. so it's kind of hard to say, you know, exact assignment fee, um, but I would say before the course, for the course in May, I mean, under a hundred grand. Um, 
And then I think after that, just it's up there. It's it's definitely multiplying. I don't know at this point, and and I don't care to sit and count. It could be there's there's more deals to close, yeah. and that's kind of where my main priority's been. We're at the point where we're scaling, and it's hard to put a number on it and track the KPIs because it's just it's it's going very well, and we don't want to stop. So would you say it's definitely more than ninety seven bucks a month? <laughs> uh, I I think I could pay for my membership for the next 20 years uh, <laughs> with the amount of money that I've made from the things I've learned. So yeah, $97 is, um, I, I mean, I'm not going to speak for anyone else, but if, if $97 isn't worth uh, you and your future and the things that you can gain from it, then I don't know that you should be even watching this podcast (laughs) (laughs) to be completely honest. I mean, come on, get some skin in the game. If somebody pays for your course, I mean, do you really care that much? And that's, that was kind of my mentality. Every single time I hopped on these uh, role play sessions with Ian, it was like, I paid for this. I'm going to go get my money's worth. And yeah, that's exactly how I I have to go more into that. Yeah. Yeah, I put the money in. I have to, I have to jump on this call. I can't like going to buffet. Right. And not like, and like leaving with like a half empty stomach, like you got to get, (laughs) <laughs> maximum value. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, people laugh at me all the time and I don't really, it doesn't bother me anymore. But if, if nobody's going to ask questions and I paid 97 bucks and we got 20 minutes, I'm going to ask every question I can until the, the buzzer hits. So yeah, I take in full advantage and it's obviously paying off. So Anything I'm else happy you wanna... with it. Thank you. Not... Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Ian. Thank right. you guys. You're, you're, very, very, <laughs> you're welcome. very welcome. I'm thrilled to see the, uh, Oops. the success you're having and in particular, Oh, I'm thrilled to see the success I, I was you're popping back. And in particular, I'm most pleased at just seeing what an action taker you are. So it's very cool to like give someone advice and then see them take that advice so thoroughly that they're like, can you say that again? Because I'm writing it down, actually. <laughs> and they're not writing it down to shove into a desk drawer and say, I learned a thing today. They're writing it down because they're about mm-hmm. to say it to someone on the phone as soon as we finish. And then you say it and then you make more money than you've ever made in your life. That's a very cool feeling. Um, so I'm thrilled to have you in the community. You're a really, really valuable member. I appreciate it. And it's been, I mean, I'll say it. It's not, it's not cheesy or cliche. You've changed my life. So thank you. Obviously there's a lot of moving parts on the team that I'm working with, sure. but the skills that you've taught me have been amazing. And obviously Steve as well. I, I think I've learned a little thing or two from your courses. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Really, really happy to hear that. And then, you know, what Zach is, is doing, super genuine. For those of you guys that are learning how to work uh, uh, with someone else, uh, like what you're doing right here is like my favorite thing when we're working with somebody. It's they show up, they take action, and they're grateful. Like as a person that's mentoring other people, like there's nothing that warms my heart more. You know, it, it's... <laughs> I love seeing yeah. this and you know, I don't know if you know, uh, Gino, uh, Paloma, but like talking to you here, like it, it reminds me so much of Gino down in Atlanta. Uh, he's, he's, he's boy wonder, you know, he's, he's doing amazing things down in Atlanta, you know, multiple six figures a month. And I'm just talking to you. It's like, yeah. it reminds me so much like when I was talking to Gino back in the day. Interesting. I'll have, I'll have to look him up, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think you grow at the level you appreciate and there, I've just been through a lot of stuff and been kind of screwed over by a lot of people. So to just have honest, genuine people in the community that are willing to help has just been awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you for hopping on. Appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. See you in the, see you in the community. I mean, that was awesome. So 
thank you uh, again, uh, Zach, for for jumping on here. So it's it really is ultimately the most rewarding part about what we do, right? Getting to see someone take action, uh, sharing what they learn, executing, and then letting us know about their successes. And it's not like we take any part of their commissions. They're just paying us the 97 bucks a month. But to hear them talk about how we're changing their lives, like that tank can never be full. Yeah, that's, it's an unbelievable, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I can't lie. I'm, it, it makes me smile ear to ear hearing direct success stories for stuff we're doing in the community. Yeah. Like to hear what the community members, the, to really hear what the community members, it's making me stutter, I'm so excited. Yeah. To hear they're actually getting out of it and that it's changing their life, changing their communication skills. They're making more money than they ever have before. They're inspiring the rest of their team. And it's like for, I mean, I, I, I think I spent, well, I'm trying to remember, we just had a kid. Well, we spent thousands and thousands of dollars at the, like in hospital bills just to have a human being brought into this world. Mm-hmm. And just like, like thousands of dollars. It's insane how much this child has already cost me. But for 97 a month, we were already making him, I think he said he's quadrupling his production mm-hmm. from before. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the next one. I need to talk to my wife. Now, this is, this is weird. Who's getting this objection, right? Are people getting these objections in real estate? <laughs> Maybe not as much. I, I guess it's, I mean, a, a proxy for I need to speak. There's another decision maker. Higher authority. There's well, a- no. So I'm, I'm being <laughs> facetious, right? So I need to talk to my wife. So I think there's a couple of different things. I, I think that fundamentally there, there are a couple of truths at hand here. Uh, first, because we're talking specifically about real estate, we got to understand more often than not, the wife is the actual decision maker. Sure. Um, there are a lot of guys that I was fooled by over the years. Go on the decision makers. Okay. Well, the guy said he's the decision maker. Why would he lie to me? Why would he lie about that? Turns out everyone lies about whether the decision maker or not. You know, I think Chris Voss says like, if they use the words, we probably them, if they say the word, I probably not them. Right, like people will specifically lie about whether they they are the decision maker or not. As a matter of fact, if you ask someone, "Are you the decision maker?" and they're not, they have to lie because to admit that they're not is to admit that they're powerless. Yeah, I mean, or if they're if you're thinking in other sales cycles, it actually hurts you if they're not any. I mean, when I went to go buy that car cash, even though my wife had given me complete blessing to do whatever, when I was talking to the sales guys and the manager, it was. I made my pregnant wife the villain in that conversation. <laughs> she was the decision maker. I had no say in this mm-hmm. because then they weren't arguing with me. They were arguing with the distant figure of my wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it's such a powerful thing to not be the decision maker if you mm-hmm. know how to do it right. So if you're asking, are you the decision maker? You're just shooting yourself in the foot in every which way. Yeah, there's no, there's no way you win that question. Yeah, it's not a good question. So what do you do then when someone says, I need to talk to my wife about this. The same way we have ways to set up the sales process before the end regarding price, regarding need to think it over, we should also have that same type of approach for are you the decision maker? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we want to rephrase because decision maker is, first off, it's a sales term. Mm-hmm. Like it's a thing that no well, one only salespeople say only salespeople say like if you hear a salesperson if you hear a salesperson say on a call 
And then we'll circle back at the end. Like that's a salesperson speak. I remember the first time I heard someone say, and then when we finish this up, we'll circle back and see if there's any way we can help you. I'm like, only inside sales reps say circle back mm -hmm. on the phone. Real human beings don't talk that way. Yeah. <laughs> Decision maker does not come up in day-to-day -day life. So a better question I usually ask, or if you want to make a labeling statement, we can talk about that too. But a better question usually is, hey, when we go through this, I, I'm curious because, you know, this is sometimes can be kind of a big decision. Is there anyone else who's going to just have some questions about how this process is going to go? Or is there anyone else you're going to want to make sure that you run your thoughts by about this, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than going, can you make the decision? Are you man enough or not? <laughs> I go, is there anyone else who might have some questions about this? Mm -hmm. Just so I can, we can prepare to make sure that you can better answer them. Yeah. And we deal with that up front. And that third person, if there is one, is a looming part of the figure. And they're much, it's much easier to be honest, like, oh yeah, my wife might have some questions because that didn't cede their authority as the decision maker. Of course, she'll have questions, but she'll do what I say at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Don't you worry about that. Sure she will. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like, like, so we want to try and discover if there are other decision makers without using the types of words or asking the types of questions that set yourself up for failure. Yeah, and I think for us, right, if we're gonna find out, if there's a wife involved, we have to figure out when we're establishing the rules, is she gonna have final say or not? And you know, one of the way, if the guy says, oh, look, she has no, you don't have to worry about her, like I got this. The question I will ask specifically, you mean to tell me if you and I agree today on a price, you don't even need to call her. And they, well, I need to call her. I was like, well, <laughs> it seems readily apparent she is a decision maker, right? Sure. So we got to get her back on the phone. So one of the things, or, or reschedule the appointment. So, you know, what we talk about a lot is if someone says, I need, I need to get my wife involved, you've got basically a business decision. You either want to run the appointment and refuse to make an offer, right? Get them emotional so that you can sell the idea of rescheduling an appointment, right? Or B, you leave right then and there, right? And you, you schedule, and again, you, you, you reschedule for another time. So one thing I would say, the story I always like to use is like, hey, Ian, you know, I'm just curious. Has there ever been a time, maybe in the last two to four weeks, where your wife asked you to do something and then you did it exactly how you thought she wanted it done and you still got in trouble? There has. Yeah. I don't want the same thing to happen here. So I don't suppose it makes sense where we can sit down with you and your wife so that we can answer not just your questions and answers or your questions and concerns, but all of her questions and concerns as well. Sure, that makes sense. Right. And that's all, all we're yeah. doing, right? Is we're just looking for out for the guy's safety. Right. right? <laughs> like you don't want to get in trouble again. <laughs> right? Yeah. And what's really key for the listeners in this is that what we're doing, why we bring this stuff up earlier in the call is like, if you know these are the objections, like there's only, we asked for a while and got like almost 50 submissions and we're barely have five, basically. We've got five. That was the last objection. Okay, that was it, that was it. We had five <laughs> out of it, right? Out of, out of the 50 submissions. Is that if you know that this is that common in real estate to get this type of objection, that you should have built this into the actual process. And people, I've heard other sales trainers talk about like, oh, like talking about the product and asking questions, that's like the easy part. The hard part is like 
closing. That's when stuff's on the line. That's when the closers go in there and get it. Yeah, sure. But also, if you, part of the reason that is the case is because when it's like the quote unquote closing stage, emotions are high. People are familiar. They've been pitched things before. They've tried to buy things before. They've tried to sell. They've bought this home. Like they're familiar with this this process. So when tensions are up, they're more likely to lie to you about, well, oh no, I got to talk to someone or decision maker rather than just being like, I'm actually not interested. This price doesn't work, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so why we're doing this earlier is because since people lie and people play games, earlier in the conversation, they're not as tempted to because it's not the default time when they're used to playing games and lying because right. they don't, they're not on guard because they don't like, feel like they need to. So it's why we push for a yes or no up front rather than at the end. At the end, I feel pressured. Oh, this is, this is, I don't like the idea. I want to think it over. Of course they feel that because we didn't establish that when emotions weren't high. I only brought it up when emotions were high right at the end. Yeah. You're doing it wrong if you're pushing hard to deal with the objections when it's actually time to go in for the close because their emotions are up and they're more likely to be resistant. Yeah. And, you know, Lance talked about it earlier. Um, Zach talked about this earlier. Uh, we kind of, you know, mentioned it in passing, but like our sales process is to get the prospect to tell us what they want. Yes. And if they're telling us exactly what they want, it's up to us to figure out whether we want to do it or not. Exactly. We're not making random unsolicited, not unsolicited. We're not making random offers that we don't know where it's going to land. Yeah. Right. We see the target. It's, it's got the red light, it's got the smoke, it's got the flares. We know what the target is, we know exactly where it is, and we gotta decide, or we get to decide, whether we wanna do it or not. Versus the, uh, I'm gonna fire my shot, I hope it lands. Yeah, we're trying to play poker where everyone's cards are turned up but ours. Yeah. Like, that's the game we're trying to play, and when your process is, I run this blanketed process and just shoot out offers, you're not even seeing your own cards. You're blindfolded playing poker. Yeah. And there's no reason to blindfold yourself. If you do this right, you get everyone to turn their cards up. What's that game we would play um, when you know we're drunk and you put the, was it Indian yeah. poker? So, I, it's something like, I don't remember, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like that, but you it's like you get to see what it's on your Yeah, so when you're playing like, a, I think it's Indian poker. Yeah, if you're playing that, then everyone gets to see your cards but you. Right. <laughs> not an optimal situation. No. Right, we want to play poker where we can see everyone else's cards, but they can't see ours. And that's what we're we're about in community is setting it up so everyone who joins is invested in each other's success, and we try and have it so that you are because these skills, like we can talk about it, and, and you can listen to this podcast, and you can you can watch it on YouTube or whatever, and be like, wow, that's a really good line. But the same way you could watch Tiger Woods talk about how he swings a golf club. And you might go, wow, I'm going to apply that. It will never be the same as actually having an instructor goes, no, no, no. What you're doing with your hands a little bit here. Let me just adjust your hand. Now swing. Oh, now a little bit too far. All right. And that's what we're doing in community. We're putting in a situation where you can actually improve like Tiger Woods is your personal golf instructor. Mm -hmm. You're not just, not to call myself Tiger Woods, but like you're not just watching the thing and hoping you're doing it right, mm -hmm. which you could still get way better than you were without anything before. That's still super valuable, but it's even better to have a personalized instructor talking you through it. And community is built around everyone trying to level up and grow together. Absolutely. So 
Um, I hope, you know, we, we titled the show How to Handle the Top Objections Real Estate. Apparently, those are the top five objections in real estate. I think we did a decent job. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, handling all of those. Um, if, you know, you like what Lance had to say, you like what Zach had to say, we, we invite you to join us inside the sales community um, for 97 bucks a month. We genuinely want to see you change your life, right? You know, change the outcome for you, for your family. And, you know, Ian is incredibly active in there. Uh, I'm in there every Tuesday now doing accountability with everyone else. I'm just going to be on the phones. So you want to see or hear what it sounds like when I'm on the phones. Again, we invite you to join us in the community. Um, anything, any other message you want to wrap up before, uh, or leave everyone with before, before we wrap up? Yeah, I would say the last thing to, to really grasp is that if you're thinking, okay, this sounds good, but like, I still don't know. You're still having that sort of hesitation about, and I know this might come off as a little pushy and salesy, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like, you're having that hesitation is totally fine. But one of the things you have to ask yourself is in this, like when it comes to the moment of like wanting to actually make the change, do I want to, would I want to be the type of person who does make the change when it's time? Um, and something I've noticed, I've watched real estate disruptors for a very long time as a fan, and I've noticed there's, I think, the two most common setup for the multimillionaires who are incredibly successful who come on this podcast are one, they've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> yeah. And two, they've paid for coaching. They've paid for mentoring. They've paid to be in a mastermind. They've paid to level up skills to get them to that next place. And they've paid a lot more than 97 a month. Yeah. And so if, if you are hesitant, go to salesdisruptors.com. Check it out. Like I, it's, we're getting amazing results for some of the members in there. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, so we invite you guys to join us in there. And we hope to see you in there. See you guys later. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.